0: of y'all. I'd like to apologize for the late upload today. I did have everything ready to upload yesterday, but our distributing service anchor had a little bit of technical difficulties, so I'm getting it out to y'all today, which I think is a little bit serendipitous because the conversation I have with my guest, Juniper, we talk a lot about food sovereignty and the rights of Black and Native people on this land to have access to food and on a day where we celebrate oftentimes gluttony and a settler colonial myth, it's kind of important to hear the perspective of people who maybe have never had access or been defended by or described by in that narrative. So thanks for tuning in. I'd like to thank all my patrons for continuing to support me and all my listeners for telling their friends. Um, This is the third episode of Rambler. We're gonna get right into it.
1: So my name is Juniper, and my pronouns are they, them residing on Nottaway land in so-called Waverly, Virginia, southeastern Virginia, and I identify as black, indigenous, maroon, non-binary, gender non-conforming, um, gender fluid, and my pronouns are they, them.
0: And I'm Jordan Marika, and this is the second season of Rambler. Uh, Juniper is going to be our guest today and talk to us about their farm, their activity in food justice, and why all of that is so important, especially right now when the whole country is in crisis. um, Food insecurity is something that is going to become more of a problem than I think we're used to. And so having conversations like this and talking about the need for Black and Indigenous food sovereignty is important and so juniper you have a farm what do you do there what's it all about
1: yeah so my farm is a little baby and it's really evolving really quickly um and i give all the praise to the ancestors the spirit to guys to my grandmothers and my grandparents who saw this through for me um So, I got this land through reparations in April.
0: Wow. That's awesome. I didn't know it was through reparations. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's something that I always believed would happen for me and something I dreamed up and made happen um, over the summer. And so, it's really, it's, it's really beautiful. I really love um, everything about this land, and I'm so grateful that it chose me. Um, it's in Waverly, Virginia, which is way Territory, and it's in southeastern Virginia, so there's a lot of wetlands, and there's a lot of swampland, and that's something that I deeply resonate with because I feel very connected to maroonage and maroon societies. Um, yeah, so it is 21 acres and open maybe like maybe six acres that are opened so we have so far a smaller plot that we kind of in like four days dug out the whole thing which was pretty wild (laughs) um but right now we are growing annuals and plant medicines that have been donated to the mutual aid distribution um mutual aid group in Richmond, Virginia that formed as a response to help families get through COVID Um, and things like losing their jobs and food insecurity and folks who can't get what they need, like basic needs. Um, And so this is what we have been donating our food and everything we're growing to. Mm -hmm. Um, And next year we're going to turn over like a Bigger like plot, which is exciting, and that will be all like plant medicine um, that will be made and distributed at also um, through a mutual aid apothecary that I'm dreaming of and will happen um, hopefully in the next year. And so, this mutual aid apothecary will get food out to queer folks, trans folks, black folks, indigenous black folks. Um, indigenous folks to Turtle Island and people of color who don't have access to medicine um, and who, you know, folks who don't maybe have lost their connection um, through the diaspora um, and through colonialism to the land um, and through state oppression have lost their connection to the land and through nourishing foods. Um, and I dream of building constellations of care and connecting people with their basic needs, especially basic needs that the earth and the land provides for us. Um, And so with that, I also value reciprocity and on this land we do ceremony. I walk the land every day and I sing to the land every morning and evening um, to give my thanks, to give my gratitude. Um, That's something that I like value so much. Um, It's it's so abundant. There's goldenrod just growing oh, out here so abundantly, and there's so much wetland, and it's really beautiful. Um, and I'm really, something I'm really, really grateful for. Really grateful for. Beyond grateful for, like, I don't even have the words for it for real.
0: <laughs> mm. Do what I do is because it's really about building relations with the people in the land in order to help connect mm-hmm. each other. Because mm-hmm. I'll be honest. My whole family has the gift of gab and charisma, and ain't a single one of them used it real good. <laughs> we, we tend to be uh, a little slick. We're just a bunch of real Appalachian people, I'll tell you what. And uh, so I grew up with stories of my my great-grandparents who are Afro-Indigenous Um Black Chata Freedmen on one side and uh, Easterman Cherokee on the other. And, right. um, that's very much tracking and reconnecting kind of has led me back to the land, of course. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. I have very bad foul allergies and I'm going to try so hard not to sneeze very loud in your face because it sounds so scary <laughs> on audio. Um... <laughs> Um, but our relationships with the land are so personal and important, and I think that when we talk about reconnecting to it, it's, it's an interesting conversation because a lot of people don't understand the personification of the land in the way that, um, indigenous people do. And to separate ourselves Mm -hmm. from the land has obviously caused very much the destruction of it, right? And, uh of course with it people because we're not we're not any different from it we're just like a little part a very small part um and so are there any parts of your land that have needed to be um healed from anything that has happened to it like any human influence because oftentimes like some parts of land have been turned into like horse pasture which really tears up and um erodes the soil or it has mm-hmm. been used as like a garbage dumping ground because you know a lot of folks out in the country just like burn everything, and so there's like whole areas mm-hmm. that are just like full of plastic. Um, I'm always mm-hmm. interested okay, in yeah. like learning about people's like relationships in or in reclaiming the land with their land.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. That makes yes. I can go in on that question all day. Right. Um, so basically, on this land, this precious, sweet land, um, there was a white supremacist that used to live here, um, and he was very active. He was in Charlottesville um, with Proud Boys, and he really like boasted some like big gun shit. Um, so when I first came to this land to see it. There, I saw so many signs up that was all, you know, gun, like pro gun stuff. Which, you know, that's like, it's another conversation. And I'm not like anti gun, but his was pro gun in a way that like is extremely, like messed up intentions and like extremely
0: harmful um, and extremely racist. Right. And so. Yeah. Guns as a weapon rather than. Guns as a weapon rather than as a tool for defense or for hunting is a totally different perspective.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it was pretty wild because everywhere I would walk around here, you would see bullets everywhere. Mm. Everywhere. I still see bullets to this day that I have been. Getting out of the ground, getting out of the mud from this person um, who would just shoot all of the time for and like for reasons of harming people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a mess. So it's in this moment since it's we're transitioning to um, the cooler seasons, we're starting to like really clean up around here which a lot of trash was left, a lot, a lot of energy was left here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when I first got here, maybe a month after settling, um, I had a burning ceremony here, and um, it was really beautiful. I had a Babaloa elder come through and lead us um, rightfully, and we had song. It was really beautiful. We had a huge fire, and um during that fire i burned the confederate flags that this person left hanging um like in the sheds for some reason like why do you need like 10 confederate flags hanging inside of a shed it was very strange and he had one of course on the this flagpole that's in front of the house as well wow so during that ceremony yes we burned all those flags we burned his like rocking chair that I'm sure he would sit on the porch because apparently he, like, would do things like, like, I am not even gonna say it because it might that might be triggering for some people, but he would just do really messed up things. Obviously, this was a very psychologically um, disturbed person. Like, very very interesting stuff going on here that we really 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 needed to clear the energy like very deeply. And so right now, we are clearing a lot of the rest of the stuff. There's, like, cans everywhere. There's beer cans everywhere. And they would just shoot and throw their beers on the ground. You can just just see it. You can feel it. So there's a lot of, like, very deep cleaning going on here for a very long time, I think. Not for a very long time. I won't say that. But for a very long season, I think um, there will be some deep cleaning going on here we're going to be probably cleaning up until January um
0: mm-hmm.
1: every week we've been cleaning we started cleaning under this pavilion area that had a lot of junk under it we luckily have a barn that was here it has so much junk in it we're going to clean that and um, yeah there's just it's like just the junk is holding so much energy that like whenever we load up the truck and we go to the goodwill or I'm sorry the landfill like it feels so good to just throw it away yeah. throw it away and, and burning things is like what the cycle that we've been doing to clear the energy from this place um, and just burning burning, smudging um, wands and burning smoke And I light my candles every night to just try to clear and illuminate and welcome in the energy um, you know that I want to be present in this place yeah and
0: that's a lot of work we i just recently moved into a house like i moved back from kentucky where i lived for two years but i was living in pikeville kentucky which is just like a terribly white supremacist town um so i was stressed and then i moved into this house with uh, the person i ended up marrying and w- there there was like another couple that lived here For a while, and even they had their own type of energy. So, like, any time you move into a new place, you really have to put a little bit of work into shaking off the other folk that have lived here. Uh, Plus, we have um, some very pleasant little people who occasionally will take things that they don't want me to have until I ask nicely for them back, which is kind of funny to me. I, I enjoy it a little bit. But it's been better because I created, like, a little place for them outside where I can leave them, like, tea and tobacco and stuff. Um, Yeah. But uh, sometimes they, like, giggle at me through the vents, and uh, that used to scare the hell out of me, obviously. But now I'm just like, Mm -hmm. it's whatever. Yeah, I forgot to give you some of the cookies that I made last night. I'm a real jerk, you know? (laughs) Um, It's just (laughs) developing a relationship with, like, the place that you're in and like the other entities that live there and are your companions is like exactly. is a pretty cool thing and it's not always like peaceful or easy but it becomes more so over time and that's like also a really special thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I really like the way that you put that developing relationships with the entities and the spirits that are already there and who's been there and trying to be in right relationship with them. That's so important and like where i am it's so much fog like yeah. all the time there's so much fog in the wetland there's so much fog and i'm just like yo what's up y'all mm-hmm. you know um, and you know fortunately i'm in an area that's also like predominantly black and i feel really like grateful for that that was something that i really needed to feel safe and um yeah i think people are like happy to see that there's like this this person is gone. I've had um a black elder stop by and be like, "Yeah, y'all live here now." You know, he was pretty excited, and it's. And my I have like one one neighbor. I live on a very long, 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 long road, mm-hmm. and I have one neighbor, and he um is glad that to have he's glad to have us and have new people. So
0: yeah, it's he, really nice
1: he's to be here anyway.
0: Yeah, it's really nice to also heal a little bit of something for that community too, because. I can imagine just knowing the type of person who was living down that road caused fear in everybody who was around. Exactly, And it was very intentional on his part. He probably literally went out there to terrorize rural black people because he knew he could. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And so to take that away and then give people something a lot Mm -hmm. better is good for everybody around you, you know? Mm
1: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I always say, I just... I'm, like, I, I feel like I've done my purpose now. I've, like, gotten reparations from a wealthy white person to take this fucking precious land from a white supremacist. I feel like I'm good now. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: You've done it, which is really, it's so cool to hear about that happening for you, you know? Because sometimes when things really fall into place for me, I'm, like, yo, thanks for coming through for me, Grandma, because I know exactly who's doing it, and I'm just like, yo, I'm obviously doing the right thing, because last week you kicked my ass, literally. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But, you know, it's like uh, sometimes I was told pretty often growing up, uh, you got to do something even if it's wrong. And my my problem is sometimes I freeze up instead of doing the harder, scarier thing. And, uh,
1: you know, mm-hmm.
0: people are not down for my shit um, at least seven mm-hmm. generations back, so that never works out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that very much guides the type of things that I do. And I wonder, for other people, what about their family and ancestry leads them to their path? Because obviously this is, like, really... Uh, also about you reclaiming and reconnecting to your heritage in a very tangible way. So, mm-hmm. like, are there people specifically who in your family inspire you to do that? Or is this something that has always sort of been a tradition among your family to have land mm-hmm. and to grow food and to be that stability in the community? Because there are plenty of rural black folk who have been rural black folk forever. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. Never forget that um yeah my 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 family influenced the shit out of me to do everything that I do everything and um yeah so my dad was a a sharecropper in North Carolina um picking tobacco and cotton with my grandparents and um he started like working in the field when he was 12 years old so a kid um, working through like a neo enslaved system um, with my grandparents that unfortunately I didn't get to meet, but that like as I started to grow older and be able to understand what that meant and like like what I needed to do in my life, you know, um, really like pushed me pushed me like to. Go forth with this challenge and this this mission that people literally don't think is possible, which is so wild. I've, I've told people, like, I, I traveled a little bit um, a couple years ago, and I told a friend, I was like, I'm going to go back to Virginia, and I'm going to get land through reparations, and they were like, I am not going to hold my breath for that, and I'm like wow, that's sad, and also I have no other choice but to do that, right? Um, so, yeah that, yeah, that just really, like, powered me to do what I need to do in life. And so my dad um, has a little garden in his backyard that we have worked um, together, and that has also been very, very healing for both us, and I think it's so beautiful to be able to see this black elder work the land, like, at his will, on his own terms, at his own time, like, not cutting up his hands, you know? Um, it, that is one of the most beautiful things I've witnessed in life, and um, also acknowledging the fact that, like, for him to do that is so courageous, for our black elders to continue to work this earth is so courageous because of how much we've been oppressed through working the land and to continue to build relationships um, with nature and heal through nature. It's not only healing him, it's healing his parents and their parents. My dad's side of the family has all always been farmers, has always been sharecroppers from what I've understood. Um, and I haven't unfortunately met his parents. Um, my dad's like a lot older. He's almost 80 years old
0: mm-hmm. so
1: I didn't get to meet his parents um, by the time I was born but I talk to them all the time and I pray to them all the time to so that I can be able to learn from them and I know like my dad has passed on so much of their wisdom to me and that's something that I've always been very grateful for um and yeah they're also indigenous black people they were indigenous to um, the Cherokee uh, um, the Cherokee in northeastern North Carolina um, from the Halalas tribe and they had to experience um, you know a lot of oppression from the state um, with, when it comes to their identity my, my grandparents had to change their last names um, because of the eugenics that happened um, with indigenous and black folks um, they couldn't claim their indigeneity anymore um, because they had to survive Jim Crow and that's something that I also like whenever I'm, I'm living in my purpose that's something that I also deeply, deeply carry um, and so I make sure I always, always, always just ask for that wisdom from, for that medicine um, just to flow, flow, flow through me so that I can remember that again be in remembrance again
0: Yeah, that's really important. That's uh, of course have to talk about the forced removal from our land, either in the choice of the work or physically from it. So, your family sharecropped, which is in a way still removal from land because it's not like tobacco can really feed you, Mm -hmm. and it's also poisonous and very harsh to work with. So, yeah, exactly. Those are that's a very different relationship with the land than cultivating something that is nutritious. And do mm-hmm. you, and I think that that has a lot to do with the overall health of the Black and Indigenous community. And, um, mm-hmm. you grow food for people in your region. Do you see the tangible effects of that? Because I'm really interested in seeing, like, how people's communities respond to these things and how they end up growing and supporting each other through these types of things, which are completely necessary, let's be honest, like, the government isn't really going to help us anytime soon, so we got to be good to each other.
1: Right, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I grow food, I grow plant medicine, um, and getting it out to the people for free is something that, like, I dream of mm-hmm. all the time, um, and something that I'm trying to find a balance of all the time, so that I can also sustain myself, too. Um, but I think it's extremely important that we make food and medicine and food as medicine um, as accessible as possible to pe- to people living on the margins. Um, most of my food I've donated to Mutual Aid, and they um, Mutual Aid, uh, the Richmond Meal Distribution that I mentioned earlier. They are trying to support more Black farmers, which is really really important um especially as we're feeding our siblings who are also cutie bipoc peoples um to have food grown by us for us um, is extremely important um and i think something that i also like before i, I got here i would make little teas or salves or like little soaps or something for my friends and i would just give it to them and be like you know like let me know how you how this works for you um let me know how you resonate with this medicine so that I can reflect on that um and like it's funny because I guess I didn't have as much confidence in it or like something I'm still working on is um having confidence in the medicine that I make Mm -hmm. um and folks would give me like feedback that's like yo like this soap it, it makes my skin so soft and like yo, can you, give, can you make me some more, you know, and I'm just like, dang, like, I'm, it makes me really, 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 like, warm and happy that I'm able to provide for my people, for my siblings, um, medicine that is nourishing for them, um, and being able to, like, donate to food even more, um, in a year from now is going to be something that I'm really trying to do, I'm building relationship with people, um, and doing things like pop-ups, um, things like that to hopefully build deeper relationships that is kind of difficult to build, you know, during a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, food and saving seeds and saving seeds is something that uh, lately I've really been able to focus on as well. Lately, I've been saving like okra seeds, um, the southern pea seeds or cow pea seeds um, and I grew some indigenous corn maize um, this summer or last summer. Um, I saw I was pictures. Able to give it to my mm-hmm.
0: I saw the pictures. They were gorgeous.
1: Yeah. So beautiful. So beautiful. And I, I was able to give it to my friends from who are Latinx. Um, and they were able to give it to their families. And their families were really psyched about it. And that was really, really sweet. Um, and just like these seeds are literal seeds of resistance and the fact that like traveling across america and you see they're traveling across Rhode island and you see all of this gmo corn yet these seeds still exist is something that's really really beautiful and very very powerful
0: yeah it's important to keep heritage plants alive and uh mm-hmm. to maintain diversity in our food, and I think that because we're used to having things quick and the same way and perfect, people are like really afraid to approach vegetables that don't look how they think they should. Um, uh-huh. And I've done a lot of food education with uh, youth, with kids in particular, and that's one of the big hurdles uh-huh. that I always had to jump is to be like, yeah, well, just because this looks a little bit different, or because there's one bruise on it doesn't mean that it's bad you can just cut the bad part out and also it's fine that this looks different it's gonna taste perfectly fine with cheese on it you know um yeah and that was a big thing um when i was volunteering at Cheyenne River we made a meal for a lot of kids almost every night but it was a year that Uh there was a lot of zucchini Um, so I was just chopping up boatloads of zucchini and cooking it down into pasta, red sauce, and meatballs. And the kids were tearing it up. And I was like, little do you know, you got all your servings of vegetables! Um. Exactly. Exactly. And that was just, like, a pretty good feeling was to put them in touch with food that had been grown right outside of the door of the center by one of the elders of their community. Helped by me a little bit, only for a few months. Um. And then cooked right up there for them off their own land and that's like pretty cool
1: yeah yeah working with youth and children and food and gardening is so 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 revolutionary and they love it Um, that's something that I have done in the past maybe two or three years Um, and I've always worked in schools because my parents were educators um, and I did like substitute teaching and tutoring and things like that. But then when I transitioned to after-school programming and um, teaching kids community gardening, that was awesome. Um, And in one class that I taught with middle schoolers, so they were a little older, uh, we cooked um, foods that were culturally relevant to them, and we cooked foods that we, like, turned from raw food to, like, pesto and, you know, cutting up garlic and having that whole meditation and really, like, getting into this, like, strong, pungent smell that day where, like, this stinks, but I'm like, this is so medicinal, y'all. Like, it's it's such a joy to um, see their attitudes, like, about, like, fresh foods um, and about food sovereignty transform over time once they get educated about what it mean for us as black, indigenous, um, people of color, and I, I even had kids, like, eat um, maybe oranges for lunch, and they would save their little seeds from their oranges and give them to me um, at the end of the school day, and be like, can we plant this? And Aww. I'm just like, you are so precious, like, <laughs> it's, it's really sweet, That's... I love it, it's really sweet.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I think that one of the things I'm pretty grateful for about moving here is that I get to spend time with my husband's nieces, and they're all native, too. They're all Kiowa, and one of my favorite things to do is, like, just take them to go do stuff with me. Like, I want to go to an apple orchard, but I also know a bunch of children, and it would be silly to go to an apple orchard without kids. Um, so that's now why I have my weight in apples on my counter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's totally worth it because I also make that into preserves. And uh, so there's, like, a berry patch. In the summer, I took them there a couple of times to pick berries and teach them how to, like, make jams and jellies and stuff. And then they got to take that home. And peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are, of course, like, a big staple. So they got to pick those, make it themselves, be really proud of it, and show their parents, and then also eat it. And that's just, like, it's the simple things in life. And that's just real pure stuff right there. That's what wakes me up in the morning is... Cute stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's a good experience. Um, It also teaches you a lot about patience with the land. And I know that right now, because you're trying especially to reclaim a space, like, there's obviously hurdles that you probably have not expected to run into. And I'm wondering Mm -hmm. what those things are like for you.
1: Yeah, um, a couple of things that come to mind are, like, structural things. Um, and that's with the septic system, unfortunately, which I guess is common for, eventually for septic systems to, like, you know, go to shit, um, no pun intended, but, <laughs> yeah. So, when I first moved here, they, um, did a, well, a septic test, and the septic test did not go well, and it was, it, it's so messed up, it's this weird, like, bureaucratic system where they tell the person who had this house before exactly what was going on with it, but they don't really tell the person who's buying it for some reason. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I don't know exactly, exactly. I couldn't even tell you exactly what's wrong with it, but they gave me a bill of like seven or an estimate rather of $7,000 to be able to repair it. And I'm like, wow. I don't have that. Uh, but luckily I was able to do some other stuff to see if it'll keep going for another year or two Um, and then there's like the well that has a lot of iron and clay in it and some sulfur in it as well Um, and it's it's interesting because I think when people hear like that you have a well system um, that you're getting your water from, your source of water from, they like folks that I've talked to, they're like yeah that's awesome, you know like I think <clears throat> you automatically think it's, like, really, really, like, you don't have to, like, really do much for it. But sometimes you do, right? Because there's that clay, there's that iron that also gets into it and that bacteria that can also get into it, especially if your neighbors have livestock, you know, there could be stuff going on. And people digging quarries in your area can also affect your wild water. So, like, things like that. Um Yeah, we have come very... Up, come up a little bit.
0: Sorry. We have... uh Sometimes I feel like... Because it's a a Wi-Fi call, sometimes I feel like you're taking a break when really it's just the call Mm -hmm. spaced out, so I'm trying to not interrupt you, but the thing is not working with me, so I apologize for that. It's okay. Um, But I was saying, I know all about an irony well, and uh, Mm -hmm. so does my hair, unfortunately, which is now 90% castor oil, because i got to protect it (laughs) somehow.
1: Yeah, that's interesting, yeah. Definitely want to talk to you about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's wild. Like it's pretty bad here, where the toilets, the washing machine, um, the sinks get stained with clay. Mm-hmm. With clay, and and you got to get that that uh, sediment cartridge for your for your well, so that they can at least get up some of it, but it don't get up all of it. Um, so that was something that was kind of a challenge. Um, luckily, through our Corporate, uh, cooperative Extension We're able to get an affordable um, water test so hopefully we'll get the results for that soon um, but I think for right now at least most challenges have been structurally and like living in an old house and trying to figure out what the last person like jerry-rigged up and so that you can figure it out because it's really kind of sometimes it, some days it feels like a mystery trying to figure out like what's going on with a certain something um and that that can be a challenge but also a huge learning experience like i've learned a lot in the past four months been fixing up this house luckily and also it, it makes me feel more autonomous being able to fix stuff on our own and trying to figure it out um As much as we can. Some stuff we, like, cannot figure out. But when we can,
0: it feels really good. It feels really good. Yeah, I, uh, this, this is a very old house that we moved into, and luckily it's a small town, and my husband bought this house off of people that he already knew, so we can ask people direct Mm -hmm. questions. Even still, that did Mm -hmm. not change the fact that, um, one of the rooms was painted black from floor to ceiling, and one of the floors Mm -hmm. had rot in it. And there's still stuff that we just, like, were not suspecting to be there that we, we've we had to deal with now. But uh, my dad's a carpenter, so I grew up doing carpentry. And uh, my partner is a welder and was an electrician. So luckily we have, like, a lot of skills between the two of us. But even then there's just stuff oh, that, yeah. like, sewage stuff. Like, we don't know what to do with that. We don't know what to do about the iron and yeah. the well water. And those are, of course, things that you're, like, well, well, we have to deal with them. But right now, the main problem is is we're on propane, so we need to hurry up and get the wood-burning stove in so we don't you know, go destitute trying to pay our heat bill. Exactly. And so it's like the hierarchy of needs is completely different because I know a situation is bad, but what's the worst, worst one right now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mm-hmm. empathize with that very much right now. <laughs> um,
1: no, yeah. It's always something after another. Like, that's the wild part about it. And, like, like you said, trying to prioritize, um, just and like, you just got to prioritize some things, especially when you're getting ready for something like winter, you got to get your heat. That's, yeah, I definitely feel that. I can relate to that.
0: I have a good book that I'm going to recommend you, um, and it also it's about these people who homestead and they've done it at various sizes and we're kind of using that right now to help us plan uh we found it at like an indie bookstore in michigan somewhere i'm sure you can order it online but i think it also has like an organizing graph in there which like when you have multiple jobs like old house and farmland to take care of i found to be really really useful so i could also even just scan that page and send it to you but uh yeah, I empathize okay, yeah. with the never ending job list and I'll show you mine. If you show me yours, we can talk about it. Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely down.
0: Um, but yeah, I uh I didn't know that you were living permanently there. I was about to ask you, is this a situation where you just immediately had to move in or that you transitioned at some point? Um Cause I was wondering if you were just like going out there and working on it and then still having to live somewhere else because lots of folks have to do that. And then other folks can't do that. So they got to move into whatever standing building is available.
1: Mm -hmm, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild how this happened. Um, it's really wild, but yeah, no, luckily I'm able to live here and I'm going to live here forever and ever and ever. And I'm really, really grateful for that. Um, And this house, um, it was built in, like, 1947, so it's not, like, super, 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 super old, but it's old, Um, and so there's a lot of things that come with it. It has, like, a tin roof that is extremely rusty. Um, I personally like the patina, but also I know it has holes in it, too, so Mm -hmm. that's something that we're trying to work on. Um, And it took about maybe... uh, a month and a half to get this house ready to move into because it was left in such disgusting condition like beyond disgusting honestly like it was not taken care of ever cleaned and Mm. when you're in the country you have to deal with a lot of mice obviously especially in the winter time Mm -hmm. when they cut down all the grain fields the mice are trying to get to warmth just like us and so there's a lot of my mouth droppings and the person that lived here had dogs. And so there was a lot of things from the dogs. Um, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. So we did some things like rip up the carpet, which thankfully had the wood floor right up under it. Mm-hmm. And that was, I was real grateful for that. Um, and we painted the whole thing which took forever but it's so beautiful I've always wanted color like a colorful home Mm -hmm. I've always wanted a colorful home um and we sanded the floors um which was a learning experience but good yeah um yeah I think really we just had to do mostly cosmetic things um to get it ready to be fixed up but once it was fixed up it was good and now we're really trying to figure out like a sustainable heating situation um, and that's the next biggest step um, but otherwise we it's pretty good we um, plan on fixing the attic up to be another bedroom mm-hmm. hopefully next year um, so that I can have someone else um, living up there and yeah it's it's been you know a little bit at a time kind of get overwhelmed sometimes here and there of course but also just learning a lot um, I've learned so much in the past four months that I'm really I'm just really grateful for it like even though I did feel overwhelmed and really tired with a lot of things um, now I can like change a sink off it and like sand a hole as hardwood floor um, and yeah, not, it's, it's been good. It's been a lot, but it's been good.
0: <laughs> yeah, being handy gives you a sort of liberation that I think people take a little bit for granted. And uh, I grew up mm-hmm. in like a regular regular blue-collar family. So when something broke, we fixed it. Um, mm-hmm. And because I was the oldest by almost 10 years, when something broke, me and Dad fixed it. And I'm adopted, so yeah. that was kind of the way that we always bonded with each other was projects and things like that. And uh, so we've <laughs> got, so I've got in house projects that I gotta finish to get the house ready for the winter, including putting in an entire wood burning stove. And then I've got <laughs> a pile of woodwork with my name on it out in the garage, because my dad left me all of his fancy wood furniture, uh, carving stuff, because he moved to Europe with my stepmom and my brother. And uh, then he oh, also wow. left me my great grandma's chair. His her rocking chair that she rocked all her grandkids in, including him, and then that he rocked all of us in when we were little, and uh, that's a big responsibility, and it's like a very little fix, and I'm like, hmm, I would rather fix up my entire kitchen, uh, replace the island, put a new wall in, and put the wood burning stove in, than even look at that one chair right now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm like. That's an emotional responsibility, yeah. which is totally different than just making sure your house ain't cold.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, they really feel like that. You gotta prioritize some things, you know, especially getting ready as the seasons change. Mm-hmm. Super important, and I think like I don't know. I oftentimes like hear people like kind of you know romanticize like old old houses, but I'm like you gotta really know how to like stuff, or you're going to be spending a lot of money, Um, but Mm -hmm. it's super, super, super important if you're living in an old home, like, to be able to, you know, get ready for when that pipe busts, or just be able to put some elbow
0: work into it. Yeah, when I was a kid, I was definitely real pissed when he made me, like, put on my muck boots early in the morning and come help him do an ungodly cold and horrible job, but as an adult, now that I can do that. I am very, very Mm -hmm. grateful for having that skill set, especially because, like, as somebody who is very small and effeminate, oftentimes people uh, Mm -hmm. misunderstand my value and my capability. Mm -hmm. But they also do that for a lot of my other femme friends, and i much rather would go help them than have them have to ask a man to help them. And so Mm -hmm. that's a skill set that I get to share with other vulnerable people to help make them less vulnerable, you know? I can teach you how to change the locks on your door if you live alone and you're afraid of that. Which seems simple, but if you've never tried before, it's very overwhelming. So it's really empowering to have the independence of those skill sets. Truly, truly, truly. And uh, I'm so like so sure that your house is gonna turn out just the way you want it to um because it seems very serendipitous the way it even ended up in your hands so of course it's just gonna go right Mm -hmm. but um do you have anything else that's really important for you to talk about anything that you're currently working with any projects that you want folks to take attention to or any donation places that people can financially support you so that you can continue to do this work and provide free food for people, especially because this pandemic is not ending any predictably soon. So your work is going to become more and more vital because people are not really paying attention to how this is going to halt our very destructive capitalistic agrarian system in its trails. And it's not going to be very useful for much longer so I'm saying that so that anybody who listens to this really understands that this is not unimportant work um at some point you may need help from someone like this so you should probably get on board and learn a little bit about it now before it's too late all I'm saying is appreciate who feeds you mm-hmm. yes who feeds you and who gets
1: the food to you because these truck drivers are Oof, yeah
0: I very much appreciate you doing this with me, and I hope that we chat a little bit more and get to know each other a little bit better. Originally, I had wanted to take another road trip and stop out to meet folks like you and talk about your land on your land and, like, have that shared experience of letting you be my steward and guide in a place that's really important to you, but COVID hit, so I'm doing it in this way, but hopefully one day... I could probably come out and help you weed a garden or two. I'm real good at it and I'm real low to the ground. I was made for it.
1: <laughs> yes, and connect on some clay water well stuff.
0: Yes. We can we can both talk about some things in regards to hard water on delicate hair. I got recipes. And I really very much appreciate you coming to talk with me because i think what you're doing with your land and for your community is so important and it's not really a popularized narrative on urban culture or rural culture that black folk are out here growing our own food to sustain our own communities and i did it in a city and you're doing it rurally um and people need to know that it's also the queers and the femmes and the women really holding them down when it comes to these types of things. So I'm very appreciative of you bringing your narrative to light for me, even though, like, it's kind of awkward to be put on the spot sometimes.
1: So Yeah, exactly. I, that's extremely, yeah, like, you said it right there, is, like, people need to know that, like, Black Indigenous, like queer femme folks, are doing this shit in the country too, right? It's like <clears throat> we're gonna have we're gonna have our green book, right? Me and my friend are gonna remake it, and this is gonna be on the map so that people can experience Black queer rural land. Um, yeah, because that's super important, like you said.
0: My next road trip, I very much wanted to f- uh, focus actually on the East Coast and the South because those are a lot of places. Like everybody takes road trips to the Southwest. Um, Which isn't bad, Mm -hmm. I've been there, and that's what I did last summer, and I loved it, and I'll do it again. But also, Mm -hmm. there are so many beautiful things and lands that people are missing out on, because they don't understand them. So, I really appreciate you Mm -hmm. sharing your perspective on this unappreciated land with me.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something that I really try to emphasize, too. I'm really glad that, like, that that you felt that, because that's something I really try to emphasize. I also, like, traveled and lived in the West Coast for a very short period, but... I was like, yo, I miss the south, I miss the wetlands, I miss the thunderstorms, I miss the pine trees, like, I gotta go back. Yeah. So I'm glad you picked that
0: up. Yeah. It's a beautiful place and it's not recognized for being as important as it really is. And so I'm glad that you do. I'm glad that there are other people who are looking at the places that other folks think are scary because of their classism and really being Mm -hmm. like, y'all don't know what you're talking about. These are beautiful places. Mm
1: -hmm, mm mm-hmm yep 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 as my dad would say he always says north carolina is god's country and then there's like signs where i live it's like this is god's country don't litter and make it hell it's some like real like christian conservative shit but it's definitely it's a beautiful place
0: Yeah. yeah and i'm gonna turn off the recording so that's gonna be it and i very much appreciate you doing this with me